Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. I can change a diaper with one hand. That's the fact, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. I love you, tiny people. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a ah! And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. There was some talk of a coronavirus baby boom. Well, if everybody stay at home, there's going to be so many more babies. I've always thought that sort of thing is just so stupid. <laughs> I mean, is that the way you all plan your families? Just whenever you get around to doing it? Is <laughs> well, when well, and yeah, how many were, kids you have? <laughs> if there were no effective methods of birth control or you didn't believe in it, then okay, maybe. But maybe, not... but not even then. It's, you know, we got enough kids, so we're not going to do this again. Or, or whatever. Um, but... Well, it turns out that is a dumb idea. Initial stats show a significant drop in December 2020 births compared to a year earlier. America has entered a pandemic-inspired baby bust. Several states that keep track of births in near real time, as well as a number of hospitals, recorded significant drops in December 2020 birth rates compared to the same period a year ago, including Florida down 8%, Ohio down 7%, Arizona down 5%. 8%'s a significant drop. That's huge. Well, and and isn't this uh, doesn't this ring true to everybody? I know cr- various creative artists. I ask them, you you writing, you working on anything? And everybody's like, no, I just don't feel like it. Can't play any shows. I, don't, I just don't feel like it. Hmm. And you know, I, I think that malaise. Because come on now, Jimmy Carter, there is no doubt a lot of the world is feeling the COVID malaise. It's a fun suck. This is a bad situation, said a sociologist and and demographer for the University of Maryland. The declines we're seeing now are pretty substantial. Um, hmm. Clearly. Also drops in Google searches for pregnancy and sex-related topics. There's a drop in Google searches for sex-related topics. That's the dumbest piece of information I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't think you need to go that deep. If babies aren't being born, <laughs> the rest of it's just details. Yeah. People make long-term decisions when they have confidence about the future, and if there's anything that undermines confidence about the future, it's the massive pandemic. Yeah, I think it's more of a, people in the modern world, for the most part, plan families when and how many kids they're going to have. And now is, you know, if you were thinking about it, why would you jump into it now? We don't have any idea what the hospital is going to be like. We don't have any idea. I mean, baby showers, just why? Schools aren't open? Well, and and not to get overly uh, poetic about it, but I just think passions have been cooled for a lot of things during the vid. I always want to do it. Same level of doing it. Oh, boy. Wow. I always want to. Nothing's going to cool my passions. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. You mentioned passions. He brings up doing it. Yeah, yes, okay. I mean, come on, we're 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 talking romance. We're talking the Shakespeare of the airwaves over here. I want to do it. I still want to do it. You want to do it? <laughs> wow. Whatever oh, happened to seduction? Just... Yeah, thank you, Sean. <laughs> thank you, brother. But just there's this just this, this, this shadow of blah and uh yeah and ugh is over yeah. everything. Yeah, that's the way I feel. Yeah, mailbag. <laughs> That's right, our freedom-loving quote of the day from the great historian writer Shelby Steele. 
Conservatism is the perfect antidote to underdevelopment. Its commitment to individual responsibility, education, hard work, personal initiative, traditional family values, and free markets is a universal formula for success in a free society. And don't let the woke fools tell you it ain't. Because it is. Says me. Michael, I'm going to ask for a transmission from this jaunty tune to the traditional Armstrong and Getty music for the haiku. Oh, the dumbest of all poetry. Gosh, I needed some structure. This oh, jeez. A note from Cody. Gentlemen, I'm listening to the podcast for Monday. Right in the intro, you talked about poetry, and I realized... I missed you doing haikus. Oh, man. Well, Cody, we'd be delighted to accommodate you. The beautiful Japanese art of the haiku, the five syllables, the seven to five. Sean, would you agree it's the very limitations that sets the artist free? Without the restraints, there is no creativity. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I told my wife as I put the hey fur handcuffs on her. Hey, hey. <laughs> What now? All right, here's the haiku. <clears throat> Haiku's anger, Jack. This is reason enough, friends, to bust them out. What? Word. <laughs> he almost jumped in. There's only four syllables. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the beautiful Japanese art of the haiku. Moving along to the correspondence proper. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, this is Joe the Consultant. Uh, positive Sean's ridiculous mascot bracket analysis has a higher accuracy percentage than my brother-in-law's actually meticulously thought out bracket. He plays, pays close attention to college basketball. Watching him melt down was particularly hilarious. Uh, WJLHCJLP with Jesus like hair comes Jesus likes power. Not to that, <laughs> no, Joe. No, 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 that's no. not cool, Joe. No, no, not this, especially not this close to Easter. I'm much yeah. more Samson than anything. There you go. Yeah, Nobody's offended yeah. by that. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Joe, you guys came up with the real reason for illegal immigration 20 years ago on your show. Yeah. And, uh, Nate, we haven't forgotten it either. Uh, well, his explanation of it, which is our explanation of it, is uh, we our birth rate is declining uh, rapidly in the United States. We are not replacing our population uh, quickly enough to prop up the Ponzi scheme that is Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. We don't have enough young workers for all the old folks, and so we've had to import uh, brown people uh, from Central America to pay into Social Security. And nobody's going to prop it up the scam. And if that's what's going on, nobody's going to say that out loud. Right. Plus, the right needs the, wants the cheap labor. The left wants what they perceive to be probable Democratic voters, and so the powerful really have no incentive to end this. Plus, having it as an issue is a great fundraiser. Oh, yeah, absolutely true. We should revisit the hijacking of the flight over Belarus, because uh, that's an interesting sure. story. And the Atlantic is um, they're concerned that this might be, you know, another major signal in the breaking down of world order that we've all just come to expect. Wow. You get on a plane, you can fly around the world. Airspace is, you know, treated us with a certain way, uh, with a certain idea of expectations and all this sort of stuff. Uh, is this another sign of the breaking down of world order? Maybe we'll get into that later. Wow. That gave me like a sick feeling in my stomach. Me too. Me too nice. as I started to read about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. There's part of me that wants to pay off the uh, pornographic literacy being taught in school story. But and uh, this is too long to read to you the whole thing on the air. I wish it wasn't because it's brilliant. Um uh, but I will work with Hanson to get it posted at armstrongandgetty.com. It's in such a tiny font, Jack. As you can see, I am now placing on reading glasses, which I do roughly once a month. 
I am gifted with with excellent sight for I reading. To, I have to put on reading glasses to read the E on the chart. But this is this is like in a two point font. It's practically microfiche. It's like I'm a spy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in my mouth and chew it up and swallow it when I'm done with it. I don't know why it laid out like this, but it is. Well, I'll just read it to you. It's by Dale Mortensen. Uh, critical race theory is coming to your child's school. Um, and then he imagines critical are race. Are those women's frames? Those, they those are. glasses? They are. Yes. <laughs> okay. I can't find. Judy bought me a manly pair and I misplaced them. Okay. Which, if you know me, is not the least bit surprising. So, yes, these are. They're not only women's frames, Jack. They're like really. <laughs> they're pretty clearly women's lady, frames. Lady, lady. Your, your bunko game later this evening. <laughs> They're, they're pretty aggressively, clearly feminine. And, Sean, that was one of the funniest things you've said, and that's oh, saying yeah. something because you are hilarious. You hadn't turned your head. I hadn't even seen the side of the glasses. No, oh, yeah, they the are bows, very, if you will. very, why don't you go to the door? I think there's a Girl Scout there to sell you some cookies, and you can buy a bunch of boxes to support the local Girl Scout. Well, I do. So. As Grandma. a male, I support the Girl Scout. Oh, easy. <laughs> What 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 time is it? I can't see now. I can't see the clock on my computer because I got freaking reading glasses on. If you'd put right. on a shawl with those glasses, you'd have a certain look going. <laughs> it's a little warm for shawls. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Right now, mailbag. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Do you have an opinion you want to share? Keep it short. Our freedom-loving quotes of the day this week, coming from Voltaire. Jack, of course, you know that's Francois-Marie Arouet, known by his nom de plume, Voltaire. French Enlightenment writer, historian, and philosopher, famed, famous for his wit. Okay. And his criticism of the Catholic famous Church. Famous for his wit. He was a witty son of a gun. I've read several uh, things uh, he wrote way back in the day. A couple of quotes. Is politics nothing other than the art of deliberate lying? <laughs> it's fairly straightforward. I'd say. And I mentioned this late in the show yesterday. Looking forward to today. Uh, this is so... Uh, remember this, folks. Remember this. A witty saying... Proves nothing. A witty saying. A moving slogan. A twist of words. A witty saying proves nothing. Well, yeah, you can often get cheers for it, but uh, on, oh, upon further reflection, people will decide, but what does that mean, or that's wrong? Or I yeah. often refer to it as greeting card rhetoric, sloganeering. So what? You strung together a phrase. Let's talk about the policy, how it will work, the pros, the cons, what will change in the wake of said policy. But, you know, that's why nobody wants me at their parties. Moving along to the correspondence proper, it's Dave writing, Dear Infrastructure Team, I've listened to you infrastructures for years, and I sincerely thank you from both my infrastructure. I especially appreciate you now that infrastructure, who I'd listened to since the 1990s, has passed. I tuned into the other radio infrastructures through the day, and you're the only one I like well enough to email my various infrastructures to. No one else these days combines infrastructure with infrastructure in such clever ways that you guys constantly manage to do. Consistently, I'm sorry. Many infrastructures, Dave. I appreciate it, Dave. Well, well done. Uh, we're tracking with you there. Nick writes, Joe, I don't know if you watched the Masters. Of course I watched the Masters. But an Asian won it. You would not believe the hate from the mostly white Georgia crowd in attendance. You're awesome. Great job. Congratulations, etc. So ugly. Nice job, Nick. Uh, unwoke, unwoke older woman writes, 
On the topic is uh, put Bill Gates away. Hey, fellas, did your parents ever say to either or both of you, if you had brains, you'd be dangerous? <laughs> no, my parents didn't tend to say that sort of thing, but others might have. Well, that's Bill Gates. The man is insane, but since he's a billionaire, it's okay. If a homeless per- person walking down the street were contacted by authorities and he said he had a way to cool the earth and then described Gates' idea, he'd probably be taken to a mental health facility for at least a 72-hour hold. That's what needs to happen to Gates and any weapons he owns taken away from him. We should play that <laughs> uh, because we did that at the very end of the show on Friday. Bill Gates has a plan. I don't know whether or not he gets to do it or not to blot out the sun to cool <laughs> off the earth for a while. Like to blot out the sun for the whole Earth. Was he stroking his white cat while he was discussing <laughs> that? Or well, my thing is, does he get to do that if he decides it's a good idea? Can anybody stop him? Well, surely that's against some sort of law, blotting out the sun. <laughs> if it's not, <laughs> I tell you what. How about we put the whole phony infrastructure thing on hold for like forty-eight hours? Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, no Name Ron writes, I was reading a little about the argument against voter ID laws and found this. 21 million eligible voters in the United States do not have a government-issued ID, photo ID. But and for many, one. for many, these IDs are very difficult to secure. I don't believe that for a single second. Now, this but... issue should be over. People have fought and died for the right to vote. Voter ID laws prevent people from exercising this right. Then don't we also have to get rid of having an ID to buy a gun? 21 million people in the U.S. do not have government-issued IDs. You just said that. And for many, these IDs are very difficult to secure. People have fought and died for our constitutional rights, including the right to bear arms. Buyer ID, buyer ID laws prevent people from exercising this Second Amendment right. Nice job. There's Ron. no controversy on that topic. It should be no. over. 70-some percent of people agree. So that one should be over. Yeah, and I want to talk about that a little bit more. Folks, we have to, those of us who do not think voter integrity and voting integrity is some sort of joke to be run roughshod over, we need to make an offensive case for that. Not offensive like, you know, farting in an elevator, but go on the offense and make the point that if people start to doubt the fidelity of the vote in this country, we are doomed. You could make the argument we need to lean way toward vote fidelity as opposed to everybody votes all the time we'll just mail out millions of ballots and anybody can return them anytime no ids no signatures anything otherwise you're disenfranchising people it's a specious argument and it's counterproductive it's dangerous of course you don't have to worry about it if bill gates blots out the sun so we got this note from uh, brian in kansas city jack you lived in the uh, kansas city area for a number of years i did i recall um I lived not far away and spent uh, many a pleasant day in Kansas City, both with my wife and kids, and sometimes going to football games. But Brian writes, the metro of Kansas City has always leaned blue, as most big cities do, but uh, now apparently we're taking advice from California. We have homeless that seem to have surged and started a union, whatever the hell that means in this case, and created a tent city outside of City Hall and another one in the bar hopping area downtown. I believe I have hopped some of those bars myself. The mayor of Kansas City has now agreed to put all of these people in a hotel for at least 90 days. All right. Keeping in mind that a uh, appeals court ruling recently reinforced out in Cal Unicornia said that you can't run junkies and bums off the sidewalk or out of your parks unless you have offered every single one of them a bed. In fact, you just you have to have enough beds and shelters to house them all or you can't enforce any of your laws, any of your anti-camping laws anyway. 
And then he goes on to say, the article goes on to say, how many more people are just one paycheck away from being in the same boat? And how vulnerable they are. And it's maddening. Instead of our schools teaching racism, they need to teach people how to balance a checkbook. The choices have consequences and live within their means. Rant over, I need more coffee. DCMK, don't California my Kansas. That's uh, Brian in Kansas City. And indeed, uh, I'm looking at the uh, the article here uh, on uh, the Fox affiliate, interestingly enough, in uh, KC. And it reminds me so much of a lot of the earlier coverage of the West Coast junkie bum crisis, um, you know, from five, ten years ago, in which the open-hearted, kind people were saying, well, it's just because of rising housing prices. And people have one medical problem, and they can't pay their bills, and they end up homeless. This naive unicorn riding, ridiculous crap. It ignores the fact that most of these people are junkies or just don't want to work. The people who had one medical problem or and couldn't afford their place or whatever, they're not shooting up in the park. No. They keep to themselves. They're quietly, desperately trying to get their lives restarted. And I am more than happy to help them through the proper channels. You people, you're, you're, well, I almost said you're stupid. Why would I be, why would I attack the, the victims in this case, which is the good people of Santa Rosa, California, of Kansas City, of, of, of Seattle and Portland and San Francisco are just trying to live their lives. Wake up, people. If you make it incredibly easy and comfortable to be a junkie, you get more junkies. This is not calculus. Armstrong and Getty. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. Sure, a a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. And anti-racism is pretty simple using the same terms. Anti-racism is a collection of anti-racist policies leading to racial, anybody want to take a guess? Equity that are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. That is one of the most influential people in America to my horror, uh, Abram X. Kendi, author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, to quote uh, Tucker Carlson before we get into some unbelievable tape from the halls of Congress. If you want to understand a country's military, take a look at what its officers are reading. Military officers aren't just war fighters. They're trained to be thinkers, even intellectuals. In Russia, officers above the rank of colonel are required to read a book by Russian nationalist Alexander Dugin called The Foundations of Geopolitics. Dugin's book envisions a Eurasian empire with Russia at the center of it and outlines a way to achieve it. In China, meanwhile, recruits are told to read The Origin and Goal of History. It teaches that China is successful because its culture is superior to the West's. You might not agree with them, but these are serious books, and they promote the national interests of the countries whose officers read them. That's why they're assigned. So with that in mind, what is the American military reading these days? Let's see. A subliterate pamphlet on how the United States is a disgusting, immoral country that must be changed immediately and forever. The tract is titled How to Be an Anti-Racist. The book is garbage. Actually, it's worse than that. Not only is the book repetitive and embarrassingly stupid, but it's also poisonous. 
Um, and then he, he outlines Kendi's premise. He says Kendi's premise is as simple as he is. I don't know why the personal shot is necessary. Mm. I wouldn't, I would pass on that, but any system that produces unequal outcomes must be racist. Period. That's it. That's the entire thesis. Kendi applies it to everything. If some people make more money than other people, the economy is racist. If Ibram X. Kendi decides there aren't enough black astrophysicists, then astrophysics is by definition racist. If it rains in a black neighborhood, but not across town, then what you're watching is weather racism. Actually, Kendi didn't really write that, but only because he has no detectable sense of humor. But there's no question he believes it. The book is that militantly dumb. Having said that, and there's a good deal more to that thought, but we'll skip it for now. It turns out that one of the admirals in the United States military, one uh, Admiral Michael Gilday, has recommended the book for everyone in the Navy. Navy Recommended that they read this horse S. My local school district, which wouldn't allow kids in school all year long uh, and never really addressed that issue, Last year, put out a uh, an email to parents uh, with ex- lots of exclamation points about how exciting it was they did just purchased many hundreds of copies of the uh, How to Be an Anti Racist book. Ah, yes, which is really how to be a racist. So you weren't you weren't interested in getting kids in the classroom, but you sure want to make sure you taught them uh, taught them that uh, white people are uh, racist by nature, right, and that uh, black people can never ever succeed as long as whitey has any power. Uh, it's unbelievable. At any rate, so Representative Jim Banks uh, led the charge asking this admiral, what the hell are you thinking having uh, your people read this book? Let's start with clip 30. Kendi's book states that capitalism is essentially racist. And Kendi is clear that racism must be eliminated. So yes or no. Do you personally consider advocating for the destruction of American capitalism to be extremist? Here's what I know, Congressman. So yes or no racism in the United States Navy. Admiral, you recommended every sailor in the United States Navy read this book. So yes or no question. I'm not forcing anybody to read the book. It's on a recommended reading list. You know, this whole, and I know you got more on this, but this whole critical race theory, because I listened to a long podcast about this yesterday, where people on the right were saying people are making way too big a deal out of this. The problem with it is this Mott and Bailey argument that is always made where the, the out front, they've got this uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist book, which allows them to destroy anything and everything. And as that guy just quoted there, it includes capitalism. Mm-hmm. But people always retreat to the, uh, aren't you against racism? I'm against racism. Right, you're the admirals say, all I know is there's racism in the U.S. Navy. Okay, yeah, sure there okay. is, and I'm all for getting rid of that. But what's that got to do with the anti-racist book? Which is the the the, the theory of that is there's no such thing as being uh, of saying I'm not a racist. That's not good enough. You have to actively be anti-racist, and the only way, according to Kendi, you can be actively anti-racist is be against anything that doesn't have equal outcomes. In other words, and you must tear it down. The best example I've heard is our healthcare system. So our healthcare system, for whatever complicated reasons, white people have better outcomes than black people. And there are all kinds of complicated reasons for that being true. But because that's true, you have to be in favor of universal healthcare because clearly the system is racist. Right. That, and that is the only policy prescription that you can be in favor of if they say that's the right one. And that's horse crap. Otherwise, otherwise you're what? But if you push, uh, you're, you're racist. a racist. But if you push back on that at all, the people always retreat to, well, but there's racism in the world and I'm against it. Okay. 
Okay, we're having two different conversations here. Right. Such a such a idiotic circular argument. Clip thirty one. Admiral, did you read the book? I did. Admiral, you said you read this book. What part of this book is redeeming and and qualifies as something that, that every I think every Andy sailor in the United States is critical about his own journey as an African American in this country, what he's experienced. Let me ask you again, Admiral, do you expect that say after sailors read this book that says that the United States Navy is racist, that we will increase or decrease morale, cohesion, and recruiting race into the United States Navy? I think we'll be a better Navy from having open, honest conversations about racism. Okay, that's different than the book, though, because that book is not about having open, honest conversations about racism. Right. Actually, again, to quote Tucker, uh, uh, well, that would be nice, but it's an amusing line coming from someone who claims to have read Kendi's book. Kendi has said many times, um, open and honest conversations are racist. Let's say, open and honestly, you decided you cared more about the way people behave than the way they look. Let's say you took Martin Luther King at his word. If you do that, you are a racist. That's not an open, honest discussion. That's a one-sided prosecution by a radical with a nutjob philosophy. Uh, clip 32. In college, Kendi stated that white people are a different breed of humans and are responsible for the AIDS virus. Yes or no, do you personally consider the conspiracy that white people started AIDS to be an extremist belief? Sir, I'd have to understand the context. That is a simple question. Made. I'm not going to I'm not going to Admiral, here. this is a book I'm that you recommended every defend, sailor in the United States Navy read. Cherry picked quotes from somebody's book. I'm not going to do that. He didn't read the book. He he doesn't know what's in the book. He just was he told, probably scanned the first chapter, right? And he was just told this is the hot book about uh, getting in front of the whole racism thing. So let's uh, let's make a big deal out of that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That'd be my guess, which is really troubling for a guy in that position. I would say, yeah. And now finally, a bail of Tom Cotton, thirty-five. One Marine told us that military, a military history training session was replaced with mandatory training on police brutality, white privilege, and systemic racism. He reported that several officers are now leaving his unit citing that training. Another service member told us that their unit was required to read White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, which claims, and this is a quote, white people raised in Western society are conditioned into a white supremacist worldview. An airman told us their unit was forced into a racist exercise called a privilege walk where members of the wing were ordered to separate themselves by race and gender in order to stratify people based on their perceived privilege. Keeping in mind, Ibram X. Kendi, the great intellectual, teaches that racism is good if it produces less Positive outcomes for white people and better for black people. Doesn't mention Asians. Throws in Hispanics when it's convenient. Racism is good if it leads to the outcome Ibram Kendi wants. And that's what we're teaching members of the United States military. And the foundation of the book is that the U.S. is unredeemably evil and must be torn down. This is an outrage. This is truly an outrage, not a talk radio react to me. We'll take your calls. Fake outrage. This is a, this is a horror that this is being taught to the members of our military. Resign, sir. That's something. 
Man, that is really, really something. Um, I don't feel like uh, people on the right or left have any idea what they're talking about with the critical race theory stuff. I wish they'd read um, James Lindsay's books. I wish they'd actually read the anti-racist and white fragility books rather than just put them on their shelves because they heard that that's the best way to be on the right side of the whole race discussion. Right. And in the same way I admire, say, D.B. Cooper for disappearing with the cash, I admire... Who was Sean? Who was D.B. D.B. Cooper? Uh, that was Loki. Loki. Yeah. First episode of Loki, they, they clear that all up. The D.B. Oh, Cooper Lord. We thing. had an adult conversation going for like 10 straight minutes. It was really going well. <laughs> you child. Uh, but in the same way I admire, you know, uh, the perfect crime, I admire the Marxists and America haters for couching their their philosophy in terms that white America would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be that. Yeah. I mean, they, they absolutely candy-coated it perfectly to draw in the half-wit white guilt crowd. Yeah, and they couldn't have in their wildest dreams expected to have been this successful this fast where the U.S. military is handing out copies of horse crap books. Oh, yeah. The American military in the day of the rising of China is sowing the seeds of hate and racism within its ranks. Is the racism in the U.S. military that needs to be dealt with? Of course. Of course there is. Aggressively every single day. That's really a different topic than white fragility and uh, the anti-racist stuff. Yeah, and drive-by white guilt officers are just scanning the first chapter of something and making their their people read a book that is poison to the US military it, it it's astounding armstrong and getty armstrong and joe getty on a personal privilege don't get brazen with me the armstrong and getty show This is so good. An Illinois father became furious Monday during a speech against critical race theory given at a school board meeting. This is the insidious racist idea that every unequal outcome is racist and therefore everything must be torn down, including the Constitution, the country, the rest of it. And that white people are born racist and always will be and cannot be redeemed. And those little children at school of yours, they are racists themselves. And this black man who, and I think he makes this clear in context, who has a couple of medical degrees, ain't buying it. Clip 80. Uh, critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other. That's pretty much what it's going to, that's pretty much, I don't care what say, it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids? This white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to purposely tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You're going to sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Go ahead. Roll on, 81. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Their character, not their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black kids. Mother dog will sit there and just pee pee on his grave with this nonsense. Yeah. He went on. I wish we had the whole thing. That's awesome. 
not one white person ever came to me and said, well, son, you're not going to get anywhere. Black folks are getting told by other black folks, you're never going to be able to get out there in the world because white folks are never going to let you anywhere. The white man is going to keep me down, keep you down. How did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? What a particularly awful thing to tell little kids when they have no perspective. I can't imagine my kids learning at their current ages. White people are born evil. That's the way they're born. And they try to keep people with other skin from succeeding. Right. They've designed an entire system, an entire country to hurt you. And you know who's hurting you? Look next to you at that little child. That is who is hurting you. And it's a bad message on both sides. Oh, it's just obscene. I was just reading uh, Jonah Goldberg's column on the soft totalitarianism of uh, Ibram X. Kendi and the whole anti-racist thing and how it, it it's totalitarianism. And then it says, I de- get to declare who's a racist and who's not and what's racist and what's not. And if you mm-hmm. don't fall into these categories, you are by definition a racist. Right. And if you are racist, you can be ended. Because you are the embodiment of evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, they are openly, openly contemptuous of the idea of the First Amendment. So, in the, and, and not only is this happening and your kids and college kids are being indoctrinated into it, but they're recommending our, the members of our armed forces read this garbage. And uh, Representative Jim Banks, among others, was grilling this Admiral Michael Gilday about it. Oh, that's right. We have more of Ty Smith stuff. Yeah, let's finish up with Ty Smith, and then we'll get to the Admiral afterward. Ty Smith is the dad who we just heard talking. Let's hear clip 82. This is in an interview. Well, no, the ones that were possibly like a a part of this whole narrative that make it seem like black folks just can't do anything without getting some help from big brother government, they had nothing to say. So before I spoke, a lot of people were up there saying all this. The black people have this art. We need to do more. We need to do this. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, wait a minute. The very people that they are talking about, that was me. I was that kid that they're describing right there, and I didn't see not one of their faces ever come to my neighborhood trying to help out but they do all this talking on the outside they march and they got their fists up and they say we're with you but when it comes down to getting with us personally none of them are ever there and 83 i got nieces and nephews that's going to be in school and cousins is going to be in school and i do not want this nonsense being taught to them because it's completely wrong and that's why i said when when this come around don't talk about martin luther king don't talk about nothing that martin luther king said or did because critical race theory is actually doing the reverse of that it's making what martin luther king did and what he fought for what he died for meaningless that's absolutely true yep yep it is educate yourself read cynical theories by james Lindsay if you want uh you got anything else uh, you'd recommend uh, that's pretty good. good. Or just There's follow some good James. Podcasts. Follow James Lindsay's Twitter feed because he he addresses issues on a an hour by hour basis as they pop around up around the country. It's pretty interesting stuff. For some reason, this was reminding me of I was watching this um interview from sixty Minutes with Miles Davis, and it was old as from back in the eighties. The great jazz trumpeter Miles um, Davis. Because I've been on this jazz kick for a couple of years now, and um, so they're interviewing Miles Davis. Too many notes. Harry Harry Reasoner. And, uh, and he says to Miles Davis, what, what gives a black musician like you, you know, the soul, the, uh, the ability to play the blues? Is it the legacy of slavery and suffering in this country? And Miles Davis says, what are you talking about? He says, I ain't never suffered in my life. My dad was a professor. My mom was a school teacher. I ain't never suffered and I don't plan to. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I thought that was such a great answer. And he wow. and, and Miles Davis hates white hated white people. He's been dead for quite some time. He hated yeah. white people, but he wasn't going to go with that ridiculous 
somehow the legacy of slavery translates to my trumpet playing. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Everybody's had the blues in one way or another. You know, it's funny. The blues is often about the blues. And I like that. But dance music about dancing, I don't like. <laughs> You're a complicated man. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> or <Yes>. nuts. <laughs> drinking songs are about drinking. Is that the same thing? or? Well, no, but there's no, there's no form of music known as drinking. God, I'll music. tell you. So I... Uh, well, all music is kind of. <laughs> not to go into details, but... So much of music is about heartbreak, right? And getting dumped and, uh, and, uh, going through a relationship situation like that now. I've been listening to so many sappy music, songs that I haven't listened to in 40 years. Just like the worst of like, I was on a kick of soft 70s soft rock the other day. It was just embarrassing, but I couldn't stop. Wow. Singing at the top of my lungs like a broken hearted (laughs) high school girl. Wow, well, whatever it takes, let it out, let it out. Streaming down your face, snotty nose. Exactly. (laughs) 